there and welcome to this week's show, where we're in occupied Greece in 1944, with a host of stars and more action than you could shake a stick at. This is Escape to Athena. This is Athena, an island captured and occupied by enemy troops, and a dumping ground for Allied prisoners. Needless to say, the natives are not very friendly. In fact, they're about to start a war of their own. What is your speciality? I'm a stand-up comic. I do shtick, tell jokes. Is this incessant compulsion to escape? What do you want me to do? This place is programmed to self-destruct and the timer is running. Join Roger Moore, Telly Savalas, David Niven, Claudia Cardinale, Stephanie Powers. Richard Roundtree, Sonny Bono, and Elliot Gould as Charlie in Escape to Athena. Filming began on February 21st, 1978, and was filmed on the island of Rhodes. Vic Armstrong was the stunt coordinator, and had brought together a fine team to double the actors. Roger Moore was doubled by his usual stuntman, Martin Grace. Telly Savalas was doubled by Doug Robinson. Stephanie Powers was doubled by Tracy Edden. Elliot Gould was doubled by Nick Hobbs, Mark Boyle and stunt engineer Dave Bickers, who used to be a world champion motocross rider. Anthony Valentine was doubled by Paul Weston. Sonny Bono was doubled by Roy Alon. And Richard Rantree was doubled by Clive Curtis. The opening of the film sees German soldiers with locals put up against a wall presumably to be killed at the hands of a firing squad. When one man breaks for cover, he runs up some steps and finally is shot trying to enter a courtyard. Inside the courtyard is a Turkish bath and a soldier runs in, looks up to the roof and fires a volley of shots. Up there is stuntman Roy Alon, who tells us more. That was one of the first times I'd done a high, a high fall. Um, it was about 60 feet or so inside a Turkish bath, which again, each job's got its own problems. That particular one was, I was restricted falling through a very small hole, which means I had to start off in what we call the tuck position. And once you're in the tuck position and you're in the air, you rotate. So to stop myself rotating, I came out in the tuck position, opened immediately, locked off, and then again tucked for the bottom for the fall. So each one has its own problems, and that was uh, the one on that one. A great fall, and one that would start Roy on his way to becoming a prolific high faller.
Die Wand ist kaputt. Ich kann den Wagen nicht halten. Herr Leutnant, Herr Leutnant, wir rennen ins Munitionslager. Ich kann den Wagen nicht halten. Another shot early on sees Telly Savalas cutting the brake lines on a German staff car only to get caught and arrested, thrown into the back of the vehicle and driven off. Driving is stuntman Mark Boyle, who finds out that the brakes don't work when he tries to pump the pedal down a steep street. Doug Robinson doubles Telly Savalas, who must crawl over the back of the vehicle, travelling at 25 to 30 miles an hour, and grab onto the bumper, then kick his legs over his head as if he were performing a handstand and land on the road behind the vehicle. Still being dragged, he then lets himself go and rolls to safety. He watches the car barrel through a set of gates, and after crashing into an ammo dump, explode into a million pieces. The gag is very clever and ahead of its time. Dragging behind a horse had been done for years in the silent era, but this escape from the truck is well worth another watch. The major vehicular action set piece in the film is a motorcycle chase through the winding streets of the town. German SS officer Anthony Valentine doubled by Paul Weston, is trying to get away from Elliot Gould's character, Charlie, who's on the side of the Greek resistance. He rides a motorbike and sidecar, which gives a new twist to the bike chase. Vic Armstrong not only coordinated the action, but also directed second unit over a two-week period, and was lucky to have his mate Dave Bickers working on the picture. Bickers wasn't just the greatest stunt engineer the world had ever seen. He was, in a previous life, a motorcycle scrambler world champion. So Vic asked him to not only engineer some of the trickier gags, but perform a few as well. An example is where the motorcycle approaches the motorbike and sidecar and jumps it. Vickers had created a ramp attached to the front of the sidecar low enough for it not to be seen by the camera and wide enough to allow Paul Weston plenty of time to line up and hit the ramp in exactly the right place. Up until this point, two vehicles hadn't come together like this on film. Cars had crashed into each other before, but a ramp had never been attached to the front of a moving anything before. In the UK, the next time this took place was 1986. Vickers also sourced the motorcycles to be used in the chase. Instead of an original period vehicle, they were newer models with modifications for the jumps, then dressed to look like they were from 1944. The highest fall on the movie is the one by Martin Grace. He's a sniper. He takes a shot at Elliot Gould and Telly Savalas. Now it has to be said that of all the places to put a sniper, this is possibly the worst I've ever seen. No cover for a start. He's in a uniform that makes him stand out like a sore thumb, and worst of all, he has to perch on the edge of this tiny balcony. So, should he get shot, which of course he does, it's only one way down. A majestic fall of 100 feet. Martin Grace watches the landing area all the way. 
He arched his back at the last few shots and his head still pointing down, watching, waiting to move into the tucked position and flip over onto his back. Once again, the landing area is obscured by the overturned truck. And again, the landing area would have been a box rig and not the airbags that nowadays would be used in a fall of this height. He described this fall back in 2000. It was in Rhodes from a mosque that I got the opportunity to go much higher, around 100 feet, and actually fall majestically from it. Job was offered to any of the stuntmen who wished to take it, but there were no takers, so I let the coordinator know I was willing to do it. Although I was doing regular falls of around 40 feet, doing 100 takes a lot of practice. Uh, increasing the height on a daily basis and get perfect body control to achieve accuracy and to get psychologically prepared. The exciting part is the day of the shoot. You're now on your own and completely in charge of yourself. It's um, a long climb up the interior stairs. Your thoughts are of the landing rig, of the cardboard boxes and the combination of of, uh, sponge mats that will break your fall. And I supervise the rigging of that myself and I'm convinced that I've done everything I possibly can. I arrive at the top and I step out onto the parapet. Cameras are set and looking up and you feel excited. The adrenaline is flowing and there's now no return. Um, You feel king of the world, you know, but uh, still in control. And I have a walkie-talkie, a two-way radio, and my communication is down to three people. The director, the stunt coordinator, and the last man is the first assistant director, who gives me roll cameras and then a clear action Martin. I usually let out uh, a loud scream. It's a way to release any tension and it mesmerises the audience. And on the fall down, everything's crystal clear. It's uh, it's a truly amazing experience. And I see the landing rig accelerating towards me, and it seems to be rushing at me, and then in a split second, I tuck my head and I flip onto my back, and that's a a critical manoeuvre. I land perfectly and walk away. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel. If you get a chance to leave a five-star review, that would be hugely beneficial. Until next week, bye for now.